Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen? Amen. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this service today. I thank you for each and every person here, Lord God. I pray that our hearts will be committed to you in everything we do, Lord God. We will serve you wholeheartedly, Lord God. So I pray that your worship and the word will go through today and pierce hearts and change lives so we can go out into this community and reach the lost for you. In Jesus' name I pray.
the men begin to worship while the ladies declare this.
Capitol Praises Back to School Bash. We are so happy to have you all here.
stretch out our hands towards these teachers. Father God, you love every one of them. You know every hour they put into their lesson plans. You know all the hard work they do, how they toil for sometimes children that don't even care because they come from broken homes. Father God, you know, God, how much they put into their work. Now, I, Lord, now Lord, I ask you, bless them. Lord, I ask you that in those moments when they're alone, when they feel alone, when they feel like nobody cares for this child, that they would be reminded of how much you love that child. Because of sin, because of our flesh, we've turned away and we've gone down the wrong path. And that none of us in this room stand right before the living God. But the Bible says that God sent his one and only son into the world to die for our sins. He took the punishment for our sins so that we may be forgiven. See, this is good news I have for you this morning. The bad news is that we've all done it wrong, including myself and every other leader in this room. But the good news is that God loves us enough to stretch out his hand and save us, to open up our eyes and, and have us realize that we're going in the wrong direction. And so when you have that revelation of who God is and what an awesome and amazing savior he is, the Bible says that we're called to live as disciples. Somebody say disciples. So I want to read this passage to you and tell you what a disciple is. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Amen? And so as a believer, as a person who has put their faith in Christ Jesus, has realized that their sins are forgiven. You're called to be a disciple, a student of Jesus' teachings. And the Bible says that you must live a life of full surrender. 
today you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're saying, I want to live for him. I want to tell you that you're going to have to surrender things to Christ. You're going to have to surrender your life of sin. You're going to have to surrender bad relationships, bad habits, and bad ways of thinking. But I want to tell you that you're not alone. I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit goes with you and he gives you the power to stand up under sin. Amen. When you are tempted, he will give you the strength to stand up under it and you don't have to live that life anymore. And so today I want to come and encourage you and let you know that there is new life and you're not called to live as a weak Christian, but as empowered and not just to say, I'm done, I'm free from sin, but now to go empower other people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? You cannot save your own life. If you're saying, I want to, I, I don't want to surrender everything to God because I need to work extra hard for my family. And I can't go to Sunday service because I have to work hard. I want to tell you that your good deed that you're trying to do is actually going to cause you to lose your life. If you're saying, I need to fix my marriage and I don't go to church because my husband doesn't really want me to go to church and I have to spend time with him. And God must understand, I want to tell you, that very thing will damn your soul to hell. So this morning, guys, I'm calling you to see Jesus because as you see him and as you surrender to him, you'll know and trust him with your marriage. You'll know and trust him with your job and your finances and everything else that's going on inside of you because he is a good God. Amen? Amen. Please stand up to your feet with me. We want to pray. If that's you and you're saying, I want to surrender, I'm tired of living in and out or close to the fence, we have, we're going to have prayer workers right up here. And they want to pray with you and they want to connect you and tell you how to be a disciple and how to continue carrying your cross. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we thank you that there's mercy at the cross. We thank you that uh, because of your great and abundant love that you choose to look past our sins, but take us from that sin. Wash us clean and make us sons and daughters that belong to you. I pray for born-again spirits this morning. I pray for people to receive new life, that they would take up their cross and follow you, not looking back, but setting and fixing their eyes on you, Christ Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray, dear God, that today we will see new creations, dear God, and that there will be lives that are transformed, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give them praise one more time. God is good. What we want to do right now is we're going to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is what we stand on. And so we're going to recite this together with some power. I want to hear you loud and clear, all right? We're going to do it together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, 
by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Why don't you take this time to greet somebody new. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are right up here for you. And thank you so much for being here with us. All right, who's excited to be at church today? Come on, make some noise, clap it up. As you guys make your way back to your seat, I wanna welcome all of our first time visitors. Actually, we wanna welcome everybody, but especially those of you who have come on out for the first time today, welcome on behalf of the leaders. We're so honored and thankful that you are here. I know we have a lot of visitors from the neighborhood, 
friends of friends have come and we even have a couple people here because check this out. Last Sunday, our marriage life group went to Navy Pier and somebody had a Chicago for Jesus shirt on and they got attracted to the t-shirt and they're here today because of that. So that is so awesome. So God is on the move. We thank you for coming. Keep on coming back. We're thankful that this is your first time, but don't let it be your last time, okay? Look to your neighbor and say, don't let it be your last time. Come on. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays every week at 7 p.m. This is our youth group for students 11 to 18 years old. God is on the move. He is doing an amazing thing in this generation. And we want every teenager in this city to be a part of it. So if you are here and you've never visited Elevate, come on by if you're in that age group and parents bring your children. We wanna welcome you guys all to our service today, MPI Back to School Outreach. Thank you for joining us. We're so pumped about all that God is going to do. How many of you guys experienced Jesus' presence in our worship today? Come on. And the word is gonna come forth and we're gonna be able to give away 200 students. We're gonna be able to give away school supplies for about 200 students. The laptop raffle will happen at the end of service today. And I just wanna make sure, cause we've had a lot of people coming in. If you just came in and you're a teacher and you did not receive your gift card yet, please see me after service so you could get it because those have been given out already during our prayer time here at the front. So if you did not receive the $20 gift card and you're a teacher, please see me after service and I'll make sure that you get one, all right? We have a vision here at MPI. Somebody say vision. Our vision is loving God and loving people. How many of you guys love to love God and love people? Come on. And our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church and to Jesus through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to do evangelism so that we could keep preaching the gospel to the lost. And we have a goal. Our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys get excited when you hear that every week? We've been saying this for 11 years and we'll say it for 11 more years and 11 more years after that until we see it come to pass. And every single one of you has a, play, uh, a part to play in that. So look to your neighbors, say, get connected. You could turn your hand out around and you could see the schedule of life groups that we have for this quarter. Please, I wanna encourage you, find a place to belong and get connected with you and your family. It's an awesome time of fellowship with other brothers and sisters in the Lord and for you to be encouraged throughout the week in your walk with God. So kicking it off today, this is a snapshot of this week's life group. We got a lot going on this week, guys. So this uh, today we're kicking it off with our single moms. Come on, make give it up for our single moms. Child care is provided when they meet, 5.30 today at that address. Tuesday, we're having an encounter prayer night. Come on, all ages are welcome. Meeting here at the church at 7 p.m. Wednesday, King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here at the church. We have awesome children's workers. Bring your children here every week on Wednesdays. We have Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. Thursdays are gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., hitting the streets, meeting here at the church. Fridays, we have two adult Bible studies. One is at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivid's house, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult, that's where you want to be on Friday nights. Get refreshed in the word of God and encouraged by the fellowship of other believers. And Saturday, the Ambassadors Elevate Life Group, come on. 
11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m. at that address. So, so much to do and be a part of. Somebody say, get mentored. We want to mentor you here. We are a church of doing evangelism and making disciples. We strongly believe in evangelism and discipleship. So we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. We have leaders ready to meet with you one-on-one -on -one with the book, Welcome to Your New Life. We want to encourage you. We want to be there for you. See you get strong in the Lord. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained to be a deacon or an elder here and accomplish God's purpose for your life on the earth. How many of you guys know you have a purpose? A God-given purpose, and you got to go after that with everything inside of you. And then somebody say, send. We have evangelism every Saturday from 5 to 8, hitting the streets, preaching the gospel, street witnessing. If you've never done it, do it. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same again. So in a recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah? Woo, praise the Lord. I know you guys are excited to be here today. Come on. Let's continue that excitement when we talk about tithes and offerings. Amen. How many of you guys are ready to give your tithes to the Lord today? MPI believes that the Bible teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. And an offering is above the tithe. That amount is an amount between you and the Lord that he puts on your heart to give with a cheerful heart and a generous heart. We designate that towards missions and towards building funds throughout the year. So I want us to get into our lesson today. You could go to the Metro Praise page, uh, Facebook page, and look for the lesson today. It's lesson seven from the Disciples Giving book. Stewards are to be fruitful. Somebody say fruitful. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. How many of you guys know that God has given you things to take care of? Everything we have comes from God, and he wants us to be wise managers. So we're going to be reading today from the book of John, chapter 15, verse 5. John 15, 5, you could turn in your Bibles, or you could follow along on the screen. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Say, with God, all things are possible. We have to remain in Jesus. This was Jesus talking. He encouraged us and said, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you're going to bear fruit. But if you walk away from me, you're not going to have it all good. You're not going to make it. So here, let's read the three main points. Number one, God is the source of all blessings. Jesus taught the disciples that he was the vine and they were the branches. This means that everything the branches produce comes from the vine. So everything we produce in our life comes from Jesus. Apart from the vine, the branches can do nothing. See, I can do nothing apart from Jesus. Number two, we must remain in Jesus. Success can sometimes bring pride into people's hearts and get them cut off from Jesus. We need to always remember that following Jesus and being connected to him is more important than worldly things. So do not get cut off from your relationship with God. Everything you do flows from him and through him. And number three, bear much fruit. Jesus desires to give you much fruit in your life. If you remain faithful to Jesus, he will make you fruitful. Being fruitful in life includes your finances, your family, and your spiritual growth. When we're connected to the vine, when we're connected to Jesus, everything in our life will flow in order and bring him glory. 
And in summary, be faithful to Jesus and he will make you fruitful. Let's apply this in three ways. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, get connected and stay connected to Jesus by obeying all of his commands. Somebody say all. And number three, pray every day for the Lord to make you fruitful in all you do. Because he wants to answer our prayers and he wants us to be fruitful. So we need to have communion with him every day and ask him to bless our efforts. Amen. If that is you, let's confess this together over our life. On the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, multiplying, and shrewd stewards living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. If you could please stand up to your feet this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income given faithfully to the church. An offering is above the tithe. That amount is between you and the Lord, and we designate that during the year towards various mission projects and building funds. And we just want to thank you so much for partnering with us to accomplish the vision that God has given to us to reach Chicago and the nations. And you'll see on the envelope the different categories. Just be the, uh, specific about the amount that you want to get allocated towards each one. Here are four ways you could give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda or myself for that today if you need help with that. And number four, you can go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, convenient to use. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundant grace and blessings in our life. And, Lord, we want to be faithful to you. We want to stay connected to the vine because we know that without you, our life would be in disarray. We want to give you glory. We don't want to take the glory from you. We want to stay connected to you, give you glory for all that we have, all that you allow us to do with the health and the oxygen in our lungs. God, we give you praise. And I pray that you would bless the tithe, multiply it, bless the giver, the faithful tither, I ask, O oh Lord, that you would open doors for them that no man can shut and shut doors that no man can open. I pray for your favor and your goodness and your mercy would follow them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap and please come forward as you give today. We thank you so much for your generosity.
All right, how many are ready for a little rap concert? Make some noise. How many enjoyed Brother Brandon this morning? Make some noise. Come on. Guys in the back, we need a lot more mics uh, in the monitors to put us up a little bit. We got a special rapper in this church. His name is MC Martis. Let's give it up for MC Martis. Martis, 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 Martis. Do your thing. What's up? What's up? Come on. We want to invite anybody that wants to come get turned up with us. Come on, come up to the front. Right, you guys want to get We're going to go crazy in here. There you go. There you go. We're going to do it. We got two radicals. It's okay. We got two. We'll Woo! rock with two, baby. We're a radical. Come on, DJ, drop that B. There it is. Yeah. Come on. Modest. Modest. Come on. Modest. Come on. Modest. 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 Modest in the Greek it means witness. So we're all witnesses for Jesus. And we're going to tell y'all how we do it in here. Come on. Modest. It is finished. It is done. He took the punishment of all and he came unto the song. He's the one. He's the one. He'll be here until the day. He's been dead since it begun. It is finished. It is done. He took the punishment of all and he came into the sun. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Now, go. Call me your revenant. Back with the flow that's heaven sent. Miss me with the irrelevant. It's not benevolent. One thing is ever did, fulfilling the covenant. Through the God sentiment, Christ, he was the element. Not talking chemistry, but I'll take it that gladly. Treat this like one-on-one. Welcome to the academy. Even professors come and learn every day. Knowledge from the Messiah. Only rabbi we obey. All authority is only tied to his name. He's coming back again. Got a king to complain. So keep believing that money equals power. Only the name of Jesus will make the demons cower. I don't live to be honored. I live for Rizana, not a slave to designer. I serve someone higher, got a passion inside, and it's something like a fire. That's why I'm in these streets, reach and lost my desire. It, it is finished, finished. it is done. He, he took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the sun. He's the one, he's the one. Can we hear it in the end? He's been there since the beginning. It is finished, it is done. He took the punishment of all, and he gave it to the sun. He's the one, he's the one, he's the one, he's the one. Yeah. Time to make dreams become reality No longer living inside my fantasy Start loading scriptures into my magazine Kill that sin, stack up the casualty Yahweh is the Hebrew said Died on the cross, his human body just bled Forget that, cause you was getting to the bread All the meanwhile, your soul inside dead Looks for a job, but instead he found a stain Just getting the star, he a youngin' in the game Superstars feeding them all these ambitions Different perspectives, same rendition Sips fleeking, modest flow me keep seeking but this joy gleam even staring into the barrel with the beam we always get the win because we fell with the team on the shame we rise to education college education that's how your ideation i give my position up to become the lamest only his name be known the lamb who was stainless come on 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 it is finished it is done he took the punishment of all and he gave it to the sun. He's the one. He's the one. He will hear it to the end. Even this is the begun. It is finished. It is done. He took the punishment of all and he gave it to the sun. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Hey, go. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Y'all love Jesus. 
Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. Yeah, Come Jesus on. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's make up some noise. Come on, raise the roof for these guys. Oh, man, let's give it up one more time for he's the one. Amen. Jesus is the one. Praise God. We're so happy that you're here. If you need translation into Spanish, let us know by raising your hand, and one of our ushers will get our headsets to you. And if you see anybody with the headset, it's not because they're jamming out. It's because they're being translated. We want to do that in our church. I want to talk to you today about a hope and a future. Everybody say a hope and a future. I want you to understand that this is something we take serious at our church, charity, generosity. It's not just something we do once a year, twice a year. It's something literally we do all throughout the year. This is our second back-to-school bash. Our first one was on the west side in one of the most devastated areas right now because of urban violence. We went out there, had a block party. It was so much fun. We have Christmas parties, Thanksgiving parties. We do things for our youth every Friday for free. They just went to camp. And I want to tell you that this church loves you because we love God. So look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. Jesus loves you and so do I. Tell somebody, Jesus loves you and so do I. And I'm your friendly neighborhood pastor if I haven't got a chance to meet you. My name is Pastor Joe, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Otherwise, the karaoke screen will serve you just well, uh, just fine. And once again, thank you for all of you who came out today. We'll do the drawings for our gift card or laptops at the end. We're going to give away two in the first service and one at the second service. And as you can see, this place is packed today. Somebody's going to win them. Who thinks they're going to win those laptops? Can I get a what, what? Come on, it's all right to have faith in church, amen? And of course, I wish we could give everybody a laptop, but we're just doing the best that we can with what we have. As you're looking at this picture right here, you're looking at Daryl and his youngest daughter, Anaya. And when we think about our children, we think about hope, don't we? We think about having a hope for them. And when we're having that hope, what we're hoping for is that they will have a good future, that's why we go to war. I mean, when you think about World War II and our grandparents who went to war, they went to provide a hope for us here today. When you talk about the Civil War, they fought and laid down their lives so that we could be a church of multi-cultures and multi-ethnic groups. Isn't this wonderful? Over 30 nations represented in Metro Praise International. Can I get a what-what for that? It is still rare to see that, so God is blessing and doing a great work in our midst. And when you look at this picture, you see Daryl. Just a wonderful father holding his youngest daughter. And when you look at his eyes there as he's looking at her, as you look at his face rather, as his eyes are focused on her, what do you think is coming into his heart? What do you think are the things that he sees in her and hopes for her and wants for her? It's endless. I mean, the love a father has for a child or the love a mother has for a child is infinite. There's no bounds to that kind of love. But I want you to now go beyond that in this picture and use your imagination and think about what this child is seeing. What this child, this dear, precious girl, only about two years old, what is she thinking about in this picture? Do you think she's thinking about all the problems in politics right now? Do, do you think she's wondering, you know, how the Cubs are going to fare in the playoffs or if they're going to make it this year to the World Series? Do, do you think she's concerned about how the bills are going to be paid? No, what you see in her eyes is what hope looks like. 
You see in her heart what a future looks like. This is the faith of a child that Jesus said we should have. We should have the kind of faith that we know we're in our Father's arms and we can look ahead at all the good that's before us knowing that He's taking care of us. Because the Bible says our Father is a good Father and from Him comes every good and perfect gift. Yes, we are in a world of sin. Yes, we're in a world of problems. But God wants to hold us in His hands and give us the hope in the future He purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. I want you to think Think about that for a moment. Jesus died so you could live. Jesus took your punishment so you could have his reward and blessing. And I want to encourage all of you today to place your lives in the Father's hands. No matter what you've thought about God, no matter what problems you've been facing, no matter what arguments people in college, university might have said to you, I want us all to have the faith of this child, this dear Anaya, and say, Jesus, put me in the Father's hands and hold me close. Because that's the only hope we have. It's the only future that we have. Are you with me in Jeremiah chapter 29? If you're not, look up to the karaoke screen. Somebody brought a Bible, and aren't you glad it's up there today? It's okay to have your own, though. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. This is an intense passage, and I've got to lay it out for you today, so I hope you're ready to hear the Word of God and not just funny jokes from a pastor or stories about my childhood. Are you ready to hear the Word of God? Can I hear an amen? amen. Listen to what the Lord Almighty said. This is what the Lord Almighty said, the God of Israel. He's talking. We should listen. He says, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, right here, we got to stop to understand the context of this. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He is speaking to the people of Israel, and he is receiving revelation directly from God. He is hearing what God is saying, and he is speaking it to the people. This doesn't mean the Lord Almighty is speaking directly to them going, I am the Lord Almighty. Listen. This is Jeremiah speaking because he says he heard from the Lord. Now, next that we need to understand in this great passage is that God is speaking to a people that have been carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. If you don't know anything about the ancient times, let me just tell you, Babylon was a wicked, vile place. You would not want to be there. They were the kind of people that would sacrifice their children to their false gods, enslave the nations around them. They would treat people harshly. They were known to oppress people. If you've ever seen the 300, and when the 300, those Greeks, those, those Spartans were fighting the Persians, the, the Persians were not even probably as bad as the Babylonians. The Babylonians were known to even be worse than the Persians. Now, God is going to speak to them in the midst of this time. Now, I want you to look at me, please, and put yourself in their shoes. Imagine if you had been captured from Chicago and taken prisoner to Beijing, China. Now, I don't mean to make Beijing, China out to be our enemy, but I'm just using an example. Imagine if they hated us. They wanted to enslave us. They wanted to take our women as their wives. They wanted to kill our strongest men and bring our youngest men into their culture to brainwash them to be better people in their government. Imagine if you woke up this morning in Beijing, China, and I said I had a word from the Lord for you. That might have your attention, wouldn't it? Now, I want you to hear the first thing that many of you already missed in this first part of the verse. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile. 
So who was the one responsible for allowing the beautiful city of Jerusalem, the wonderful Israelite people, to be taken over by such a wicked government, by such a wicked people? Who was the one ultimately that says, I carried you there? Who? Y'all know how to read, right? How many of y'all been to school and can read? Say what it says. This is what the... Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, right here, we need to understand something. God will not always do what you want, but he will always do what you need. Sometimes God has to punish us to give us what we thought would make us happy so that we'll understand that's not really what we need. Here we see that they're being carried into Babylon. Why is that significant for the people of Israel? Why? Because the people of Israel had stopped worshiping the one true God and had started worshiping the false gods of the pagan nations in places like Babylon. They thought to themselves, well, all gods must be alike. And the Babylonians have stories of, of great feats, just like we have Moses being rescued and the Red Sea parting and Pharaoh drowning there and God doing all these things. Well, well, the Babylonians have gods that have a lot of wonderful feats and stories. Maybe, maybe we'll give them a try. Maybe we'll try to do things their way for a little bit because their God and God seem to be less restrictive. They, they don't seem to matter so much about our sexuality. They don't matter so much about staying true to marriage. They could participate in orgies. They could participate in these wicked, vile practices. Their gods seem to be more open-minded. So let's give it a shot. And over time, they found out that their gods were not real and that Babylon was just pimping them. And when Babylon was done trading and getting whatever they could from Jerusalem, they just decided to take it over and send them into exile. Do you, did you ever wonder how Daniel got thrown into a lion's den? That, that, that pious, biblically uh, grounded young man, you know how he got thrown into a lion's den? Because he was in a city called Babylon. After probably his parents were murdered or wife or his mother was taken as a sex slave, his dad as a warrior was killed, he was sent as a teenager to Babylon to be brainwashed into their system. And when they told him to stop praying to the one true God, he didn't. And then they threw him into a lion's den. And his other teenage friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to the idols. But where were they? They were in a place called what? Babylon. They were in a place called Babylon. They should have been, these children should have been raised in a place called Jerusalem. They should have been raised in a place where the worship of God was around the temple of God with the priests of God based upon the law of God. They should have been in Jerusalem, but they found themselves in Babylon. What would you do if you found yourself in Beijing, China today? As a slave, having all your belongings taken from you, your language taken from you, your identity taken from you. God said, I carried you there. Now look at verse 5 because this seems very odd because right now you may want to stage a revolution there in Babylon. But listen to what God says. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. How many of you at that point after being taken as a slave to another nation would be thinking about planting a garden? That would probably be the last thing on your mind. I don't want to plan a garden. I want to plan a revolution. I don't want to settle down. I want to get fired up. I don't want to just eat and drink and be merry. I want to get out and do stuff. 
But no, God keeps going. Verse 6, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. Look at your neighbor and say, it's okay to get it on when you're married. So God says, go ahead, plant some gardens, make some love, get it on. Multiply, be fruitful. May, that may help a little bit though, right? Come on, somebody. Increase in number, do not decrease. Look at verse 7. Also, now watch this. This will blow your mind right here. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. God, aren't we only supposed to care about Jerusalem? No, where I have you exiled in Babylon, I want you to plant gardens. I want you to settle down. I want you to eat and enjoy your wives, give your children in marriage, and I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you in exile. Pray for Babylon. Pray for their peace. Lord, they just done pimp slapped us, and you want me to pray for their prosperity? You see, God is teaching them a lesson that I'm going to have to show us to, to do the same here in Chicago. If I could just skip ahead to let you know where I'm going. You're in a wicked place in a wicked time right now, and God is wanting you to seek the peace and prosperity of this city. But I can't get there yet. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Somebody say, live long and prosper. It's not in the Bible, but it's true. We know it's true because the Bible says it here, but another man coined that phrase. Who was that man? Okay, just check it. Look at verse 8. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be deceived. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. Some may say, prophesying. They are prophesying to you. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So now imagine you're in this place of slavery, and now all of a sudden people start coming to you saying, God, God said we need to stage a revolution. God said we need to start fighting back. God said we need to do this. Now he's saying to them, if they tell you something other than pray and seek the peace and prosperity, they are lying to you. If they come to you and say, God said, God said, and it goes against what you're hearing right now, they are lying to you. Or if they come to you and say, God said, it's okay to worship their gods. God said, it's okay to compromise your values, Daniel. God said, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, you can bow down. If they try to get you off into legalism or try to get you off into false liberalism, either one of those ditches will wreck your life. Don't listen to their lies. Legalism and false liberalism are the same, have the same result, devastation. God's word is true. Listen to what he says now. Then the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now you hear the verse. Listen to this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Everybody say this together. One, two, three. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. How many have heard that verse before? How many never knew the context and you learned something right now? Be honest. You just thought that was a cute meme on Facebook. I got plans for, I, 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 got, I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope in the future. And you're thinking because it's a hope in the future, that means everything's going to go right. Everything's going to be the way you want, to, uh, want it to be. But what we need to understand is that the, the, the plans, the hope, the future, and all of this is being set in the midst of captivity. Captivity. 
being set in the midst of defeat, being set in the midst of oppression. And so this is not just some cute verse that we're supposed to put up on our, our refrigerators or post on our Facebook just to look at and say, well, things will always go right for me. This is the kind of verse that when everything seems hopeless, when everything seems like it's gone wrong in your life, when everything you have tried have failed and you feel like it's not getting brighter but darker, you need to be able to look at this verse and say, I know that there's a God who knows me and has plans for me despite my situation to give me a hope in the future. Somebody say preach it. Amen. Amen. Look at the following verses. This is specifically to them that they're going to go out a 70-year time frame. That's what they can look forward to. They can put that in their calendar and say, God's going to deliver us in 70 years. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with how much of your heart? All your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I'm going to take you out of Babylon and bring you back to Jerusalem. And God kept his word to them. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I've carried you into exile. Can everybody say an amen? God kept his word. You can see Ezra and Nehemiah, they go back. They get sent back by Babylon. Babylon favors the Israelites, though they're not a free people. They are just given more freedom, so they build up Jerusalem. A few hundred years later, Jesus comes through Jerusalem, and he lives his life there. So this promise was fulfilled. God kept his plans for them to give them a hope and a future. And so if we just simply want to apply this to our life, it's very simple. You can find really just four principles in this passage of how we can have a hope in the future. How many want to learn from this today? How many want to do what God did? How many want to believe what God said then can happen now? And how many want to do what they did, do it now to receive those blessings? Amen? Right? This is for us today. Let's apply it. Very simple. Number one, seek and pray for the peace and prosperity of Chicago according to God's word. So it doesn't matter what we're facing here. It doesn't matter the problems that are happening here. It doesn't matter all of the things that we wish would change here. The first thing we need to do is start praying for the peace and prosperity of Chicago. We cannot expect violent means. We cannot expect hatred and selfishness and greed and corruption to accomplish the plans of God. If we want to be prosperous in Chicago at this time, we need to start praying for the peace and prosperity of our city. Do you believe that? Number two, we can't be deceived by those who have not heard from God. Like I said, from those who are on one side or the other, we're not going to be deceived and start saying, F the police. Are we going to do that? Because that's not going to bring the peace and prosperity, is it? Nor are we going to be deceived to start arming ourselves and killing each other in the neighborhoods. Is, is that going to bring the peace and prosperity? Nor are we just going to say that we approve, approve of all the sexual perversion that's happening in our city or of the politics. We're, we're not going to fall for those lies wherever they may be. We won't fall, fall, fall for the lies of our governors. Corruption wherever it happens in police departments, and we won't fall for violence wherever it, wherever it is, whether it's in gangs or a, a man abusing his wife in a home in their own privacy there by the lake in some condo thinking they all have it together. Are you listening to me? So we're going to seek and pray for the peace and prosperity of Chicago. Number two, we're not going to believe lies. We're going to trust the word of God. Number three, we're going to believe his promise. We're going to say what God said is true. I believe it. That settles it. Can I get a what? What? 
There it is. God said he's going to bless us. God said he'll take care of us. God said he'll change our city. God says he'll deliver us. We're going to trust him. We're going to do it his way. And then lastly, we're going to pray and seek God with all of our hearts. New Testament language says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Boom. There it is. Mic drop. You all with me? Sounds easy. There it is. There's the application. Go do likewise. Let's go home. But the problem is we've heard these messages before. You've been to churches and you've heard this before. And for some reason it sounds familiar to some of you, but you're starting to get skeptical of it because I know I am as well. I'm skeptical of what we keep talking about in church because I'm not seeing it change our society and our culture. Supposedly, there's about 60%, 70% of us all in church right now on, on a Sunday. Many of your friends are at a church right now today. And yet with all of these supposed Christians in our society who supposedly know all of this, it still hasn't been done. It's only getting worse. Can I get a witness? Can I tell you why? Let's look to the sins that are holding us back from the hope in the future. Let's look to what we are doing that is keeping us from this promise. Because every promise comes with a command. If you want the blessing of God and the promise to be fulfilled, you have to do what God said to do. When I say to my children, you can have ice cream tonight, that is presupposing they cleaned their room this morning. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved unto good works. And if we truly want to see the hope in the future that God has for us, we really have to understand the very sins that brought us into the captivity we're in right now. See, how did we get into this mess to begin with? We didn't get into this mess because we didn't have enough community events. There's always been community events in Chicago. We didn't get into this mess because we didn't have enough churches. There's always been churches in Chicago. We didn't get into this mess because we all didn't have Bibles. Most every one of us has a Bible. We got into this mess like the people of Israel got into their mess because we have sinned. We have not listened to what God has said, and because of that, we've suffered these consequences. And unlike Israel, who had one slave master called Babylon, we have many slave masters. We have many captors of our minds and many oppressors. Let's look at some of them right now, if you would let me. Number one, abortion. We have led into our culture the idea that it's okay to murder the unborn child in a mother's womb. Do you think God can grant to us according to his character and holiness a hope in a future while we as a culture are murdering our children? We are violating the very word of God. He said he hates hands that shed innocent blood. He hates it when we do this. Yes, God loves the sinner and hates the sin, but make no doubt about it. Because of sins like this, there is a hell. This is infanticide. This has always been a sin. It will always be a sin. Before Moses was born, they killed children. Before Jesus was born, they killed children. The devil's killing children now. Jesus is on his way back. Every time a generation starts believing the lie of murdering children, we know God's about ready to do something. And so this wickedness should be a sign of the times and cause us to repent. If you've had an abortion, many in this church have, you can repent and be forgiven. But you must confess and repent of the sin of murder. What else do we see? We see addiction in our culture from alcoholism, drugs, gambling, and food. 
we see that we have become obese. We see that we have wasted our money. We have lived for these pleasures. Number three, we have broken families, unbiblical divorces, fatherless homes and abuse. More than ever before, people are having sex and their children outside of marriages and children are not being brought up with mom and dad at home. How do we expect God to grant us a hope and a future when he said, I base it upon the principle of one man and one woman? Not one man and three baby mamas. Not one man pimping with three girlfriends. Hello. When he said he would base it upon the principles of family. If you're a single parent here, we love you. We even have a life group for the single moms. We're not here to condemn you. We're just here to tell you there's a better way. And if you're single and want to mingle, we can help you with that too. The next thing that we see is dishonest businesses, stealing from the employees, unfair wages, and greed. We didn't get here overnight. There's been people in power who have planned to oppress us, who have planned to take advantage of us, and they keep doing it while we idly sit back and become a clog in their wheel. We need to look past just our conveniences that these big businesses give us, and we need to understand that they have to be held accountable. We then see false religion. Now, this may offend some of you, and that's okay, because if the truth of friends, the truth will set you free. I hope I'm not offending you because I'm not making many jokes or telling personal stories today. But if the truth offends, the truth will set you free. False religion has held us back. And the first and greatest, I believe, false religion is Roman Catholicism. You would say, Pastor, what do you mean by this? Roman Catholicism does so much. It's also against abortion. It teaches family values. It has all of these wonderful hospitals and private schools. How could this be one of our major problems? Why? Because it teaches a false way to God. And when you think about the Roman Catholic Church, do you think about Christians? Do you think about disciples? When you think of those in your family today, like I think of my uncles, do you think of true believers who read their word every day, obey the commands of God? No. What do you see? Religious hypocrites. Most of the Roman Catholic Church is full of religious hypocrites. Why? They've taught in three things as a foundation that are wrong. Three things that there's a man called the Pope that's in charge of everybody. That's a devil's lie. You won't find it in the Bible. Peter said, I am a rock and you are living stones with me and we build the house of God. The second thing that they teach is that there are statues and idols that can bring propitiation for your sins and resolve your sin through these praying of the saints and the angels. That is a lie. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And don't get offended at me. I had sweet old grandma and grandpa that were Catholic too. My dad was raised Catholic. He'll tell you why he changed or why God changed him. And then the third thing is, is that you have to confess your sins to a man in some dark closet to find forgiveness. All of that will promote to you an ungodliness. It will not promote true godliness. Everybody look up at me. I love Roman Catholics. Tell them my pastor loves you. Tell them but I'll tell them the truth because I love them so much. My grandfather was Italian, not Catholic, but my grandfather on my mom's side was Italian. Guess what he liked to do as a hobby? Eat raw beef all the time. Slaughtered his own cows, kept beef around in the house. When he would start cooking hamburger or steaks, he would just cut off a piece and chew on it. Does that make it right because grandpa did it? If I became a medical doctor, should I change my beliefs about germs and human health because my grandpa did it? Why would it be any different if my grandmother told me to pray to a saint? Hello? You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I don't care how sweet, how sweet you are, how good your pierogies are, Grandma. We don't get in that way. There's no pope. There's Jesus Christ. 
There's not many saints that we pray to. There's saints on this earth that we work with for Jesus Christ. And third, you don't find forgiveness from a man so you can stay on the rat race of sin to say, Father, forgive me for I have sinned and I feel so bad about it, but I really want to do it again and again and again. But Father, forgive me for I have sinned and I feel so bad about it. If I want to do it again, you're not on a merry-go-round of sin. You're on a path of righteousness. Islam, Hinduism, New Age, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, black Hebrew Israelites, liberal Christianity. Should these be illegal? No, I believe in freedom of religion, but it's false beliefs. If it is what the Bible says it is, if there's one God speaking to his people one way, we should not listen to those who say there's another way. Are you listening? If there's one God, one way, should we be listening to those who say there's another way? No, let's keep going. Idolatry. What does idolatry look like in the 21st century? Does it look like Buddha statues? Does it look like, I've been to India three times. I've seen all their various gods. Listen to, is that what it looks like for you and I today? No, what it looks like is your sports taking the place of God. Your entertainment, young people, filling your ears instead of the worship of God. And your money, what you can do for yourself, being your God instead of what God says you're supposed to do according to his word. Let what's in your heart control your wallet. Let not your wallet control your heart. Can I hear an amen? If I haven't stepped on your toes, I got four more, uh, five more coming. Political corruption, all the briberies, all the stealing, and all the lying and the injustice. And I know the moment I said that, there were people in this room that said, Yeah, you tell those Republicans. And other people said, Yeah, you tell them Democrats. Let me tell you, it's with everybody. It's epidemic, it's sin. Number eight, sexual perversion. Homosexuality, premarital sex, gender mutilation. It's not gender transformation, it's gender mutilation. Just a few years ago, we knew that it was a disorder to want to cut and mutilate your body. Now we're calling it a right, and we're calling it something to be celebrated. I think they could have the right to do it on their own if they do it. But listen to me. I don't think it should be celebrated. It should be mourned, not condemned, not made uh, homosexual or same-sex attracted people or the transgender, LGBTQ, whatever. Not to make them feel like they're less than, but to tell them God still saves sinners. Do you understand? You want to have sex with the same sex. I want to have multiple sex with the opposite sex. Both of us are sinners that need Jesus to save us. Can I hear an amen? Racism. Watch this. You think this is a problem in our city? Whites against minorities, and all the minorities say, and all the minorities say, isn't it a sin for a white person to be racist against a minority? Come on. I'm a minority in my own church, but you know what I mean by this. Whites against minorities is a sin, and all the minorities said, Minorities against whites and other ethnic groups, if you're being hated on as a white person, and you know that's a sin. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You don't want to be hated on just because you're white. Hello? And then, and then, what are you? What are you? Oh, I'm black, bro. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Praise God. We'll pray for you, but I, I know what you mean. I preach like a black man. You sing like a black man. Here we are. I know. We're both from the South, yeah. Oh, inner chocolate, okay. That was a good comedy break. But I want to hit on this last point. See, whites against minorities, all the minorities say. Amen. Minorities against whites, all the whites say. Now watch this, ethnic groups against other ethnic groups, because let's not pretend African-Americans, and let's not pretend Hispanics that it's only a problem with white people. 
You've hated on each other as well. You've hated on Asians as well, and vice versa. My, uh, my wife talks about when she would go to school right there off of Harlem Avenue, all the different nationalities sat by themselves. Another brother told me when we would go to school as, an, as a Mexican, we would always fight the African-Americans. You see, racism will rear its ugly head in all cultures and races, but there's only one race, the human race, and Jesus bled red for all of us. And the last thing that we know, of course, is our violence, not just in our murders, but also in our outbursts of anger and rage, our, our traffic, road rage, our cursing out each other. Just look at Facebook and see how humanity talks to each other in our infighting among our friends. Now, everybody look at this scripture, please. Proverbs 15, 29 says this, the Lord, the Lord is what? Far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. See, I had to say that to get to this. If you're wondering, like me, why it ain't working, it's because we ain't working it. Because the word still works. If you work the word, it will work for you. If you carry the Lord's commands wherever you go, the Lord will bless you wherever you go. And so it starts in a place like this. All of us rid ourselves and repent of abortion. All of us here repent of any addictions, things that we allow to control our lives. We repent of broken families. We repent of dishonest businesses if you've participated in that. We repent of false religion and false ways to God. We repent of putting idols before God so that we can't see him, but we only see our need and our greed. We, put, uh, re we repent for our political corruption. We repent for our perversion. We repent for our racism. We repent for our violence. And we then call upon the name of the Lord. Because he what? He hears the prayer of the righteous. You may say, Pastor, well, nobody's righteous. No, not one. Romans chapter 3. That's correct. But the prayer that the Lord hears from the unrighteous, the first thing they can do is the prayer of repentance, which is by faith. Which is why in Romans chapter 3 it says there's no one righteous, no not one, no one seeks God. But in Romans chapter 5 it says, but Abraham was a righteous man because he had faith. And the just shall live by what? Faith. Do you have faith in God's ways today? Look at the second proverb here. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 14, 34 says, righteousness exalts a nation. What does righteousness do? exalts a nation. What does it do with a nation? Exalts a nation. It lifts up a nation. It transforms a nation. It transforms from the bottom up, from the ordinary people all the way to the White House. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. It doesn't matter how prosperous America is. It doesn't matter how many gold medals we win at the Olympics. Sin will condemn us. Sin will condemn us all. How many today want to be righteous? How many want to do what God told us to do? Can I read to you now about 14 verses from another prophet? Look at your neighbor and say, this is the conclusion. But I need you to hear it now because the choice is yours. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. Please don't think to yourself that sin is always or going to be God's best for you. Because all of us get tempted with sin and we somehow think it's our best. So, for example, you may not believe something on that list is a sin, and you may think God's trying to keep that from you because it's better for you to do it. I'm telling you, that's a lie. But I could believe that same kind of lie. So none of us is exempt from taking on the sins of this culture head on. 
You see, as a pastor, I could get tempted to take more money from the people than what I'm given as a salary because I'll think temporarily that's better for me. That's no different than Enron and those wicked chief executives who stole from their people. And that's no different from you lying on your taxes or cheating on your job. See, don't get in your mind that somehow God is contriving a conspiracy against us and he's tricking us, that sexual immorality is really good and marriage is bad, that sexual identity is male and female is, is bad, but gender confusion is good. Don't let the devil lie to you here. Hear his word and obey it. Can I hear an amen? Isaiah, a prophet who came before Jeremiah, said these things for the people of Jeremiah because he saw by God's vision that judgment was coming to these people and he prepared a word for them long in advance. And if you think that's cool that Isaiah could speak a word to Jeremiah's people just a few hundred years in advance, read Isaiah 53. You'll literally think, you'll think you'll read, you're reading the biography of Jesus and it was written 600 years before Jesus was ever around. These were awesome prophets of God. Look at what Isaiah says to these people, and I think it comes to us because the choice is ours. Look at your neighbor and say, the choice is yours. Hope or despair. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, hope or despair. A future or destruction. Look at this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ears too dull to hear. Why would Isaiah have to say that? Why would Isaiah have to, everybody give me your attention, please. Why would Isaiah have to say, everybody, listen. God's arm is not too short to save, and his ears are not dull. Do you know why he would have to say that? Because people like us would have been praying and praying and praying, and nothing changes. So what's wrong? It's got to be God. God's the problem. God must not care about Chicago because we keep praying. They keep having prayer rallies. They keep listening to politicians, and it only gets worse. God must not have an arm to save us. Why are we going to church? Economy still is bad. Housing market's still bad. Companies are still corrupt, many of them. Maybe he doesn't hear us when we come and pay our offerings, give our tithe. Maybe there is no God to hear us, no arm to stretch out and help us. But look at the next verse. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. You see, that is the problem, my friends. It is not God is with us. He says, the problem is not my arm. The problem is not my ears. The problem is your iniquities have separated you from me. As one theologian said, we have tied the arms of God to bless us in this nation with our very own sins. Because God cannot lie or go against himself. We have limited what God said he would do by our own sin. And he said, I've given the earth to men. The Lord is in heaven. He does what pleases. And what pleases him is he gave the earth to men, the psalmist said. So you think it's my arm? You think I don't hear you? You don't think I see those murders in abortion clinics? You don't think I see those crying mothers when they're holding their children in their arms if they've been shot? I know these things, but your iniquities have kept me from you. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood, the prophet says. Your fingers with guilt. Anytime you young people support this filthy rap industry, your fingers are stained with guilt. Your lips have spoken falsely. Anytime all of us here, we take the name of the Lord in vain, we speak against God's word, we compromise, your tongue mutters wicked things. 
Just like some in this room right now. I don't believe anything that the pastor says. He's just mean. He's just yelling at us. You see, you're, you're muttering wicked tongue. That's what the prophet says. We've all been there. I wasn't born a Christian. I was born a sinner. Ask my mom. She'll tell you about my sins. And my wife will keep reminding me too. Amen. No one, watch this, no one calls for justice. Watch. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. And I know right here some of us just want to go, well, well, he hasn't met all these protesters then because they call for justice. But you didn't listen to the second part. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. You want to speak against the police department with an F, the police department shirt on. You have no integrity before God. You are wicked. I believe in immigration and supporting the wonderful people here. But you go downtown waving your flag like a conquistador in our nation. You have no integrity. Come waving the American flag, singing our anthems, and ask to stay. Are you listening to me? It'd be like as if I went to Mexico City today, waved the American flag, and said, I demand my rights. It gets quiet when I preach like that. But you see, we all want good immigration, don't we? We all want racism to stop, don't we? We all want the police department to do the right thing, don't we? Well, then we must plead our case with integrity. We must look to the word of God and see there that it says that the ones who carry the sword were to honor and pray for them. That we're to see that the laws of the land are to be obeyed. And I have an entire message on immigration, and many of my Latinos still come to this church because they love me. Amen. Because I'm teaching you, as the word taught me, integrity in all that we do. They rely, look at this, they rely on what? Empty arguments. You think you're going to call for justice from God to this earth with an empty argument? Do you think, listen to me, friends, do you think we're going to get Snoop Dogg, a filthy pot-smoking sinner, to come to our high schools and try to present an argument to our young people to live better? They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers. How many here would like to have a bunch of eggs of vipers in your house? Spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die. The one, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. Look at what it says here. Your, your, your city is like snakes and spiders. Their cobwebs are useless for clothing. What can you get from a spider that's useful other than a little entertainment in a glass jar? But you know the point here. What do you get from it? It's, it's, it's spider web. You're going to clothe yourself with it? What are you going to do with the sin that you're running to? What are we going to do to build our families with gender confusion? What are we going to do to build our families with abortion? How dare we ask God to bless us after we murdered the children he's given us? Somebody said, it's my body. No, it's not. It's somebody else's body. That's why you walk out of that abortion clinic alive, and they end up in the trash. God have mercy. Their deeds are evil, and the acts of violence are in their hands. Tell me if this sounds like the culture you're in today. Their feet rush into sin. They're swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. Evil schemes. How many of you gotten emails about an evil scheme? Somebody got a lot of money they inherited, and they just need you to write a check of a thousand so they can cash that check of a billion. We take these things so for granted. But there's so many evil schemes in our culture, aren't there? You can't trust anybody. When we go out giving out free stuff in the church, they don't even believe us. 
We never charge for anything. Nothing. All the things we've given away. The bikes for the Christmas. The laptop. Do we have to pay for the raffle? Nothing. 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 No, there must be some other thing. No. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their past. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one walks along, uh, walks along them will know peace. So justice is how far from us? Far from us. And righteousness does not what? It doesn't reach us. How many feel like righteousness hasn't reached our high schools yet? How many believe that righteousness hasn't reached a lot of our businesses yet? How many believe that righteousness hasn't reached our politics yet? Now watch this. We look for light. But I know, see, listen, I, I know why we go to Cubs games and we're cheering for the lovable losers, because we're looking for light. We're, we're, we're looking for something to give us joy in this world, right? We look for light. I, I know why we go to the lakefront on a day like today. I'm right there with you. I know, but, but you see, we're looking for light. I know why we like to go shopping, ladies. Come on, I like nice things too, but we're looking for light. We're, we're looking for some kind of hope in a hopeless world. We're looking for something for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, two hours to just lighten the load that we've been carrying, these heavy burdens of our soul, and we're in darkness, and we're just looking for a little bit of light, somebody to cheer for, something to win for us, someone to take away the pain, just a little bit of light, the Bible says. But all, all we see is darkness. We look for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. You ever feel like you're walking in a deep shadow in Chicago? Let's just be honest. I love this city. But don't you just sometimes feel like there's just a shadow over this city? I mean, when they chose a city to film Gotham City for Batman, they, this dark, you know, city of, of the comic book series, they chose Chicago. It's almost like there's a dark shadow over us that even behind our laughs, even behind our, our, our moments of prosperity or blessing when the Black Hawk wins, that when, when the cheering is over, there's just a shadow that comes back over us. Even in our church is a shadow. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling like people without eyes. Is this man not a poet right here? Are you hearing what he's saying? At midday, we stumble as if we were at twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. We all growl like bears. If you haven't been into traffic lately, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've drove in traffic lately, how many know we growl like bears? Get out of my way. We moan like doves. I don't know if I've heard a dove moan, but I believe they do, I guess. We look for justice, find none, for deliverance, but it's far from us. That's why we feel so hopeless in our politics. Now watch this. For our offenses are many in your sight, God, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. Now look at the iniquities we have to acknowledge. Rebellion, treachery against the Lord. Not just each other, but against the Lord. Turning our backs on our God, inciting revolt, oppression. You, you notice they're right there next to each other. You guys, you're inciting revolt. You guys, you're oppressing. Do you get it? Both of it is sin. Uttering lies with our hearts, because uttering the lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance, and truth stumbles in the street. And honesty can't enter it. Have you felt like honesty can't enter Chicago politics? Have you felt like honesty can't enter into our public school systems after our superintendent got sat down because of corruption? Are you listening? Somebody say, preach it. It's more than 14 verses. I apologize. 
Truth is nowhere to be found. Whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Look at the Bible. Do you ever feel like the moment you step out of the corrupt system, now you become prey for those who are corrupt? Did you ever stand up for your, on your job to be honest and truthful? And the moment you did, you became a target? Young people in school, did you start taking a stand against the gangs and the violence? And at that moment, you became prey? That's what the Bible says. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. And everybody here, the Lord is not pleased. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So to so his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. What did God do for us that we couldn't do for ourselves? He sent Jesus to do what? To save us. Isaiah 53 takes a different turn than Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 says, is the Lord's arm too short? Does he not hear? But in Isaiah 53 it says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord is Jesus Christ. And so he says, I've seen not only Chicago this way, but I've seen the entire world this way. And not only at the present generation, but all past generations, present generations. And until I come back in the future, man is a wicked race, a fallen creature. And he says, so I will come and intervene. I will achieve salvation for him. This is Jesus talking. And his own righteousness sustained him. Now look at these verses in closing. Everybody say in closing. He put on righteousness as his breastplate. Who did that? Jesus and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Do you remember when he drove out the money changers? you remember when Jesus did that? According to what they have done. So he will repay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his foes. That day is future and coming. He will repay the islands there due. From the west, people will fear the name of who? The name of the Lord. And by the name of the Lord, we are saved, aren't we? And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory, for he will come like a pent-up flood that the breath of the Lord drives along. I don't know how, about you if you kept up with Baton Rouge. I used to live in Baton Rouge. I have friends in Baton Rouge. Many of my friends are also in New Orleans. They're doing relief work there. Did you see any of those videos when the levees broke and the floods came in? That's God's judgment. But there's a verse here I want you to hear before it comes. Because I read all of that to say this now. We can relate to the pain. We can relate to the darkness. But the Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. The Lord will come to Chicago. The Lord will come to your home. The Lord will come to this community. If you don't believe me, look around. This church started as a Bible study with four people. Today, after our second service, we'll probably tally over 300 people. We have registered a close to 150 disciples. We do 10 uh, outreaches and ministries every week in this church. We have some that have been given their life, gave their life to Jesus because of what we did on the outside. Shamal on the west side, would you stand up? Let's give it up for Shamal and Destiny. Where's Destiny at? Stand up, Destiny. You see, they came to church as kids when we picked you up on a van. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You see, we've seen gangbangers give their life to Jesus. Steve, stand up in the back. Former gang members, now the youth pastor of this church. Come on, somebody. I've had men confess to these, confess at these altars. I used to beat my wife. I don't know what I need to do. Can I change? Can you help me? And now they're happily married, never have touched their wife again. We've had women come to these altars and say, I've committed abortion. I've killed my baby. Now they're happily married with children serving the Lord. I have seen the rich come and repent of their greed. I have seen racists repent of their racism. I have seen many homosexuals and lesbians come here and find their identity not in their sexuality 
reality, but in the man Jesus Christ. You see today, friends, there is hope for Chicago. We need to see it in our Redeemer, Jesus, who will come to us. Can I hear an amen? This is the last thing I'm saying now. We're going to close out. Band, would you come? And I want you to hear this. God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Everybody say hope in a future. Everybody say it again. Come on, hope in a future. Gentlemen, would you move this for me, please? I want to end out by looking at everybody. Hear me on this today. I didn't understand this until I really got married and started having kids. Things change when you start to have kids, right? Like, especially spiritual people. How many can relate to that? When you got kids and married, like, the spirituality went to a whole nother level. Thank you. And so I have four children. My wife is pregnant with our fifth. The ages are seven, six, four, and two. And our four girls, one boy, and our fifth girl is about ready to be born like today. Let's just pray for the water to break wherever Nancy is. Okay? And so I, I want to be like this father everywhere I go. And I want my children to be like this young girl. But there are times I don't understand how to be the best father, how to be the best husband. And so those sins may not look as bad in my life because I've been saved for 21 years and I'm not going to go to a strip joint today or have my wife have an abortion but I still have these tendencies towards the roots of those sins Jesus said if you're angry with your brother and you just call him a fool you're now guilty of murdering your brother Jesus said you lust after the one you're not married to you're now guilty as if you're a desperate housewife you, you, you get the same punishment because God says I'm going deeper than the external I'm going to the heart follow me so sometimes I get deceived to thinking my temper is better than God's patience. Lust in my heart or mind is better than God's purity for my wife. Gentleness and kindness I will place with my quick attitude to discipline my kids. Not because I'm teaching them a lesson, but because they've inconvenienced me. As I was preparing this, I felt the Lord give me an example that I hope I can share with you because what this means to me is so important. Because it doesn't start out there, it starts in here. And I want to tell you what it means to a pastor today, right? So in these times where I do wrong, my wife is so good to point it out. My wife is awesome. How many have a wife that's awesome like that? Wives are there. Honey, you're wrong. Anger is wrong. But here's the deal. I don't get it when she says it the first time. I want to puff up my chest and argue more. No, the kids needed to be spanked. They were the ones doing this. No, honey, you should have done this. Don't you know? Don't you know? And I'll, I'll, I'll buzz, you know, just uh, puff out my chest and give all of my selfish reasons to why my wife is, is wrong and I'm still right. But then over time, being married, I began to understand that, you know, she's right. God's speaking through my wife, okay? And so what I began to understand is that I would have to come back and repent like a few hours later. And, and then I would suffer for those hours. Not like she would just leave me and say, well, you're not having any dinner tonight or something. But it would just be hard because, you know, the dishes would be putting away, being put away a little bit loud.
louder. The cabinets would be shutting a little bit louder. It would be just a little bit temperature-wise, a little bit colder in the house. And then I would go on my prayer walk and hang out with Jesus, and the Lord would just, just tap on my heart, and he would just say, uh, you weren't right about that. You weren't right about that. And, and, and so I'll come back to my wife, and I'll say, honey, forgive me. I lost my temper. I was, I was hangry. I'm one of those hangry guys. If I, I gotta have like food after this. I'm telling you, if I don't eat for a while, I get really hangry. Not an excuse, I'm just telling the truth. And so I repented. But then I said to my wife, I said, I gotta learn from this. You've gotta train me. You've gotta help me. You, you, you've gotta teach me. We've gotta come up with a way that when I'm in the midst of all the mess, I'm, I'm only seeing red, I'm only seeing my point, that somehow you'll cut through that and speak right to my heart. Like hit that button on the inside of me that just just shuts me down. So we came up with this phrase that when I have checked out, this is what we say. She would say to me, she'll look at me and say, I got you. I know that sounds weird to some of you because it just sounds too hood to believe that this white boy pastor would have my boobsaboo say that to me. And it makes sense. But it's powerful to me because I'll be seeing red. I'll be mad at the kids. I'm being short-tempered. And my wife will just stop me and look at me and be like, I got you. I got you. And what it means to me is that somebody understands me and that somebody knows what I'm going through and they don't just see the moment that I'm in, they see a future and they don't want me to ruin it in that moment. And so my wife looks at me and she says, I got you. I got you. And it's like her way of saying, step back from the situation. Calm down. Take a breath. I got you. And I believe that there are so many of you here in situations that you're freaking out. Some of you turning to sin, some to worry. All of these things in your life. And God is saying through the prophet of Jeremiah, hold on. Listen, listen. I got you. I know the plans I have for you. I know these plans. It's a hope. It's a future. Stop what you're doing. Stop pushing me away. I got you. I got you in the midst of this. And that's what I think it means to Chicago today is we're so upset about so many different things and God is saying, come back to me. Come back to me before you plead your case for justice because you're not doing it with integrity. Come back to me before you do sexuality because you're not doing it right. Come back to me because I got you. I got you. I, I know you. And I don't want you to lose your future over this. I know the plans, God says, I have for you. Plans that give you a hope and a future. Would you pray with me right where you're at right now? Lord, we thank you today that you got us. You understand us. Oh, Lord, we're not alone in this world. No matter what situation we're facing, no matter what temptation is coming our way, you want us to stop and to hear your word that you got plans for us. And we can trust you to hold us in your arms. Altar workers, would you come, please? Just where you're seated right now in your own words, would you talk to God through Jesus today? If you're here, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you've never confessed sin, you've never turned away from false beliefs about him, 
right now where you're at, just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I hear your word today loud and clear. I want to live for you. I love you. Those of you who are Christians, but you know that there are sins in your life you've been making excuses for, would you also now just repent and just say, God, I, I confess them.
being at Starbucks, see my wife or someone in the back. If you have to go, we understand. But if you need prayer today for anything in your life, encouragement, maybe you want to continue to pray about seeking God, healing in your body, or just want to feel the Lord's love on you, we're going to sing another worship song. Come up to one of these prayer workers. If you want to wait around for the raffle, just do so quietly. Otherwise, hang out there. Because when we come back, Julian's going to do another song for us. And then we'll do that raffle. Is that cool?